Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Whitfield Report podcast. And I am the aforementioned Sam Whitfield. In today's audio-only podcast, I apologize for those of you who like to watch on YouTube as well, Uh, but for today, that's just how things crumble. It's audio-only, and uh, so yeah. And uh, with that in mind, folks, um, I want to cover a few things related to the Joe Rogan Spotify controversy. Um, last week on the Saturday show, we had Matt from Foulball, uh, productions on the podcast, and we covered a lot of the Joe Rogan, uh, controversy regarding Neil Young and Joni Mitchell pulling their catalogs from Spotify, along with a few other, uh, musicians who have done so as well. So I'm not going to rehash the entire episode. If you guys want to uh, watch or listen to that, that is available either on YouTube, on the Whitfield Report channel, or you can listen to that on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, At any rate, though, there are some more developments in the Rogan story. Um really one, and it's one I find to be very weird, uh, quite frankly. So, apparently, there's this uh, sizzle reel going around uh, of Joe saying the N-word on the podcast. And the way it's edited together... It makes Rogan out to sound like a racist, essentially. Now, I find this notion that Joe Rogan is a racist to be patently ridiculous when you consider the fact that he's had uh, Chris Rock on the podcast before. He just had Snoop Dogg on the podcast, like, right before Christmas. Um, you know, and Snoop Dogg, being a rapper, says the N-word a lot, too. A lot of these rappers do. Um, it's almost, you know, common parlance for them. Um, so there's this N-word reel going around, uh, that someone made. And I, I guess it's not a new sizzle reel, either. It's a compilation that someone made. Uh, a few years ago of Joe saying the N-word. And now, because of this whole Spotify controversy and people trying to cancel him, it's made the rounds again. And The Rock, who had previously stood behind Joe Rogan, is now, uh, I guess, backing off on his support for Rogan. 
which honestly I don't understand, and I'm not talking specifically about The Rock per se. Um, you know, I have my issues with The Rock, but I don't think he is necessarily the only one to blame for a lot of this stuff. I think he's just, you know, an actor trying to do what he can to, you know, stay within the good graces of Hollywood because he is one of the, uh, you know, Hollywood darlings right now. Um, you know, with that being said, folks, here's the deal with the, with the Joe Rogan N-word reel, right? Joe Rogan is not a racist, and anyone who, um, has listened to the podcast for any amount of time knows that to be true, pretty much. Um, he, you know, may say some colorful things, but he's a comedian. And comedians say colorful and often crude things 95% of the time. In fact, you know, hell, if you go back and listen to uh, the Joe Rogan experience, any of the early episodes from 2009 really to 2015 when he really started to, you know, become big, um, a lot of his podcasts were just him and his comedian buddies, uh, you know, talking like sex stories and, you know, uh, interviewing porn stars and, uh, you know, Hell, Fleshlight, or whatever that company is called, they used to be one of the main sponsors of both the Joe Rogan show and the Adam Carolla show way back in the day. And I, I remember, like, I, I was in high school, and, uh, you know, when I first started getting into podcasts around that time, and uh, I, first off, I couldn't... I couldn't believe that I was hearing the word uh, fuck on, you know, a podcast or, you know, on something pretty close to radio because that's what podcasting has essentially replaced is radio and the radio talk show in a sense. And I'll get to that in a bit. But needless to say, a lot of those early Rogan episodes were pretty raw you know, in their language and in their content. And they were funny, though. That was a thing. You were tuning into early episodes of the Joe Rogan Experience and the Adam Carolla Show and others like it because they were wild and crazy. Because it was something so different at the time. And the fact that comedians were uncensored and they were telling raunchy stories. Um... You know, that's one of the reasons why the format has done so well, podcasting-wise. Not necessarily because, because it's raunchy, but because in a podcast, you have the freedom to pretty much say whatever you want on the internet, you know, as long as you're not threatening someone or, uh, you know, intending to cause hormones in someone, but, you know, in... In the vast majority of cases, you can pretty much say whatever you want, and there aren't any reper repercussions uh, or fines like there are with the FCC. Although there are rumors that they may be trying to change that now, and we'll get to that 
later on in the show. But anyway, getting back to my initial point about Rogan, right? Most people understand the fact that Rogan is not a racist. And the people who are putting to who put together the N-word reel and who uh, you know posted it to the internet, they know he's not racist either. But they're trying to cancel him because he's a powerful voice. They hate the fact that he is discussing actual controversial subjects with people and allowing people from both sides of an argument to have a platform. And they don't like that. So what are they going to do? They're going to make him the center of a controversy. And they're going to demonize him as a bad guy and they're going to try and get rid of him. And at this point, it doesn't seem like he's going away. With that being said, there's a new development regarding the Joe Rogan experience, um, which is that 77 episodes got released this past weekend. Now, like I said, I discussed all that with uh, Matt from Foulball Productions. Uh, so again, I encourage you to check that out, that episode out from last week if you don't already. Um, however, the new development regarding that is that apparently Joe Rogan himself deleted those episodes. He chose to, of his own free will it's looking like, rather than Spotify mandating him. Now, listen, I'm of two minds on, on this, okay? Part of me thinks that he should have never deleted, the, deleted those episodes, right? He should have stood his ground and kept them up and, you know, dude has enough money uh, you know, he's not really hurting, uh, financially, so he, you know, on the one hand, he could have just said, fuck you, I, you know, I'm keeping him up, uh, you know, there, there was, there was no reason to really to delete those episodes on the one hand, and, uh, I'm a little perplexed as to why he did, Right? So that's the argument on one hand. On the other hand, though, part of me can't understand why he would just want to delete those episodes because, look, when you say uh, spicy things and they cause a controversy, the mob, whether it be from the far right or the far left, or in some cases both, um, when they descend on you, it becomes a whirlwind and a shit show. Uh, trust me, I know from personal experience, and I'm not even famous com compared to Rogan. So, I understand the temptation definitely to delete an episode or to, uh, you know, and say, fuck it, you know, it's not worth it. Um, especially right when you when you're someone like Rogan 
and you have a, you have a staff uh, that you know you have and you have people that you have to take care of because keep in mind even though people only see Joe Rogan uh, or his producer Jamie on camera you know or hear them both on the podcast I believe Rogan has about like a staff of 12 people total that do like behind the scenes stuff with like running the studio uh, you know running the cameras maintaining the you know the lot that the studio is on in both Texas and in California you know so he, he might not have like a large team of people but he does have have a team of people that he has to take care of and when the mob is coming after you they're also coming after your people via proxy and if we if it were just him and you know, he were the one running everything, I might be a little more, you know, I might be a little more pushy to say, you know, come on, Joe, just, you know, just, just tell the mob off, right? Just tell them to go fuck themselves, right? But when you have a staff of people that you have to take care of, there definitely is that consideration that, you know, maybe it's not worth the controversy. So, in regards to him deleting those episodes, like I said, I am torn. Because on the one hand, I don't think he should delete those episodes at all, right? Understand that. I'm not saying that it was good that he did that. Um, with that being said... If Spotify was saying something like, you know, delete those episodes or we'll delete them for you and then fire you or something like that, then, you know, you got to do what you got to do to take care of your staff and, you know, their families as well as your own. Um... I'm not saying that's what happened because, like I said, it's looking like Joe Rogan decided to do that on his own. It doesn't look like there was any pressure from Spotify. Um, but we don't know. Um, for those of you asking, because I have gotten a couple emails um, and tweets you know, and DMs about this since the Saturday show... Um, I won't be taking the Whitfield's report off of Spotify. Um, as I have said in the past, Spotify and Anchor have been very good to this uh, podcast, especially when the cancel culture mob um, came after this show a few years ago. And uh, Anchor and Spotify stood their ground behind me when I was getting negatively review-bombed. And, uh, you know, they stood behind me, and I am grateful for that. And like I said, at this point, it doesn't seem like they were the ones who who um, influenced Rogan's decision. It doesn't seem like they pushed him to, uh, you know, take those episodes off. So until there's evidence otherwise, uh, I'm not taking the podcast off of Spotify. In fact, I'm hoping soon that we'll be able to uh, 
you know, move the video podcast over to Spotify as well, in addition to YouTube. Because let me tell you, um, Spotify and on the audio uh, podcast feeds, there are episodes of the Whitfield Report that are no longer on YouTube because YouTube removed them, uh, you know, or struck them down. So that's an aside. Yes, Spotify not be, might not be perfect, but they're still better than YouTube, uh, per se. So I'm sticking by that. Um, overall, like I said, I you know, when Matt from Foulball Productions was here, I, I think this is a blatant attempt at cancel culture. Uh, I don't think Rogan should have to apologize for anything. Uh, I understand. And here's the other point I want to make, right? Because this is the other thing that people have brought up, right? One of the reasons why Rogan might have deleted the episodes is because Rogan is not looking to get into controversy, right? He has said him. He has said himself, "I'm a comedian. I'm a dummy. No one should listen to me. Uh, you know, I don't really have a bone." in the fight politically. Now, he has said that before, and I understand the mentality that you have, Joe, and I I don't know, I doubt Joe Rogan is going to listen to this, uh, but you never know. I've had people listen to to this podcast, uh, you know, who have later DM'd me, and I've been surprised by some of the names who have tuned into the podcast, not gonna lie. So on the off chance that Rogan does hear this, and the in the one in in a million chance that little me uh, gets Rogan's attention, here's why here's why I would say, sir. Um, I understand that you didn't start the Joe Rogan experience out to be uh, a lightning rod. I understand that. I understand that you just wanted to. Uh, fuck around with your friends, you know, who are comedians, and you just wanted to bullshit and have conversations, um, and whatnot. I, I understand that you do your podcast organically. Um, with that being said, your podcast has become part of the cultural zeitgeist, Joe. You get more viewers and listeners per episode, sometimes, than the Super Bowl does, which is coming up this weekend, by the way. Um, And I think one of the reasons why the Joe Rogan experience is so popular is because it's not trying to uh, be part of the culture war, right? It's not trying to push an agenda. It's just simply allowing uh, people to have conversations with each other about raw topics. Uh, Sometimes about serious topics. Sometimes about funny topics. But in the end, um, you know, it, it is a podcast where People from differing, uh, you know, ideologies, different occupations, different fields can come together to share ideas 
uh, with each other. And the fact that it is raw and unscripted is why people listen to it and why the podcasting medium in general has become so uh, successful. People don't want the 10 to 15 minute uh, sound bites from cable news anymore. Uh, people don't watch the evening news anymore because it's so controlled uh, and because it is so centralized. Uh, podcasting, especially Joe's podcast, has become the you know epicenter for conversation, arguably, in many circles. So while I understand that it wasn't your intention, Joe, to become the tip of the spear for really the public square and the public discourse, it is because you had no intention of pushing an agenda or doing anything that your shot has become so successful. And I would urge you guys not to, uh, you know, sense yourselves, not to bow before uh, the, the powers that be and to keep the podcast raw and uncensored, um, whether it be with Spotify or whether it be with uh, Rumble or with Odyssey. I know that those two companies have made offers to acquire the Joe Rogan experience in lesson. I don't think Joe needs to go to Rumble or uh, Odyssey. Worst comes to worst, Joe probably has enough money at this point where he can do something like uh, Anthony Cumia has or something that Tim Pool has, and he can just build his own infrastructure, right? And even if, even if people had to pay for it, I mean, I would certainly pay for it. I already pay for Compound Media, uh, which is Anthony Cumia's platform. And I, you know, I don't... I certainly wouldn't have a problem paying for the Joe Rogan experience, and uh, I doubt others would too. So, you know, Joe, just keep the podcast uh, uncensored and and uh, keep it raw and unfiltered. That would be my request to you. Um, in regards to podcasting in general, though, my uh, friend Ray who uh, used to host a podcast called Eye on the Empire. I don't know if he still hosts the podcast, but um, he did for, for like a year and a half to two years. And it's, you know, it's a good podcast, but he just doesn't have the time to do it daily anymore like he wants to. So he mainly sticks to Twitter. Uh at Eye on the Empire on Twitter. Go follow him. Terrific guy. Um, but one of the points that he made on Twitter was that if they can regulate Joe Rogan, they can regulate podcasting in general. And he, uh, he tweeted out the other night a scenario in which people would have to get licenses from the FCC in order to to. to to do a podcast, right? And I see where he's going with that. Um, and, you know, he's kind of on the side 
that I'm at where censoring free media is, uh, you know, dangerous, trying to regulate is dangerous, right? And five years ago, the notion of regulating a podcast would have been completely ridiculous and out of the, you know, that would have been out of the question five years ago, right? But now there have been whispers of, you know, does the FCC step in and regulate the internet and mediums like podcasting and whatnot and regulate mediums like YouTube? There's been a lot of talk about it. And I don't like that idea at all. It's bad just on so many reasons. Now I can tell you, here's what will happen if, uh, here's what will happen to the medium of podcasting if the FCC decides to step in and require people to uh, get licenses to do podcasts. If that is the case, the podcast medium will die. It, it'll, it, it will just simply die. Um, by which I mean, sure, you might have organizations like NPR and CNN and the big news groups that also have podcasts and they may be able to pay for licenses, but the vast majority of people who listen to podcasts listen to independent podcast hosts like myself who are independent creators. And so if the FCC requires licenses for you know, regular people such as myself to do podcasts and they charge money to do it and they start regulating what we can and cannot say on said podcast well I guarantee you people are just going to start podcasting people are just going to stop podcasting I should say and when the independent content creators stop doing that the medium will just die. It will. Because independence from radio, independence from the FCC and, you know, terrestrial medium and the restrictions on those platforms, that was why podcasting became a thing in the first place. And so if the government continues to say that they're going to regulate said medium, well then podcasting is done. And I hope it doesn't come to that because I love doing this. I've been podcasting since I was uh, 14 years old and I'm now 27 years old. And I'm just getting started. I'm not even close to a where I want to be in this medium. I'm just getting started. But by God, if, if, the, if the medium starts to get censored federally, right, if it starts to get regulated, 
I, I can't continue to do the show the way I want to. And I'm not the only who will be in that position. And the medium will just die off. And, that, and that's just the sad reality. I don't see how podcasting stays alive and stays viable um, if it gets regulated. So that's that. Now finally, um, in terms of cancel culture, I've talked a little bit, a bit about this on uh, Twitter before and I, I've written articles over the years on this, on my blog. Um, and I talked about this a little bit last year when Sean Connery uh, passed away. And, and actually, that's more like two years ago now with it being, uh, you know, 2022. Um, I have said that cancel culture is, you know, toxic. I think we can all agree on that in general, that it's a bad idea. But one of the things that has always struck me as being particularly odd is canceling dead people and dead public figures. Now, we saw this happen back in 2020 after Sean Connery uh, passed away where someone tried to cancel Sean Connery and rather tarnish his legacy um, by saying that, uh, you know, allegedly back in like 1964 or something while filming one of the James Bond movies, I think it was while filming uh, Goldfinger, uh, Sean Connery had like allegedly uh, you know, like sexually assaulted a, a woman who uh, wasn't the main Bond girl, but was one of the, uh, you know, like Bond girl extras that he was flirting with. I, I, I seem to recall someone made up a story that uh, there's that scene in Goldfinger where he uh, meet, meets up with Felix Slider and then he smacks the girl on the ass and says, you know, off, scram, it's man talk time or something like that. Uh, and supposedly, like, some relative of hers said that, like, he sexually assaulted her, like, on the set or something. Uh, and it just, it wasn't believable at all, right? But at the same time, like, you could tell that, you know, again, the cancel culture mob was coming after him. Why? Because he's a symbol of toxic masculinity. You know, and they brought up the whole, uh, you know, they brought up his Playboy interview, uh, too, where he said, jokingly, uh, every once in a while, a, a woman needs a good smack in order to, uh, you know, maintain, in order to, uh, you know, be maintained or something like that, right? Just petty stuff, but nevertheless, they were trying to, you know, cancel him and tarnish his legacy because of that, right? Well, uh, 
apparently there's this new uh, documentary series that has come out on A&E a uh, about Hugh Hefner. And this documentary series supposedly reveals the dark side of Playboy and it's presented by uh, Holly Madison and uh, Kendra Wilkinson who they weren't Playboy playmates they were Hefner's girlfriends and they were reality TV stars they were on that weird show uh, that was on back when I was in high school called The Girls Next Door uh, it was about Hef and his living girlfriends and Holly wrote a book back in like 2015 or so like just weeks after his death like claiming that like he molested her and forced her to take quaaludes and whatnot and all this stuff right um and what's weird is they've made a documentary series about all this in an effort to cancel Hef, basically. Now look, I understand that there are members of my audience who are socially conservative, more so than I am. And they don't necessarily like the idea of what Playboy, you know, stands for or represents and whatnot. Uh, you know, if that is your prerogative, fine. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a, liber a libertarian when it comes to um, that sort of thing. What one does with their sexuality um, is one's own business so long as um, they are consenting adults, they're not harming children, etc., etc. And you know, and for the record too, uh, just while we're on the subject, um, my uncle was a uh, collector of Playboy um, and when he passed away guess who uh, inherited his collection you guessed it I did and I have added a few issues myself uh, to that collection so just putting that out there that I might have a bias in this uh, situation um, but with all that being said the bigger issue here is that this documentary has come out like five years later after Hef's death right I think Hef died back in 2015 I think it was and now this documentary that is supposedly uh, you know, supposed to take down Hef's legacy is coming out like six years after his death. 
And my question is, why? There's no point to it whatsoever. Uh, if there was anything damning, if Hef really was a bad guy, um, and there was, and he did do something criminal, why not speak up when he was still alive? Right? There, there was almost an, you know, an eight-year gap between when the Girls Next Door series ended and when Hef died. So there was plenty of time for Holly Madison and these other women to come forward while Hef was still alive and make these claims, you know, and possibly take him to court if they were true. And I'm not saying that Hef was a saint. I'm not saying that he was a perfect man. I don't think any, you know, guy is, especially in the entertainment industry. Um, but, you know, all of these allegations that have come out, um, you know, with him being tied to Epstein and whatnot and, like, running... Uh, you know, underground, like, sex trafficking rings and all these other conspiracies that people have pulled out of thin air. Uh, I don't buy them at this point. Um, just because it seems like it's fabricated nonsense. And, you know, even if it is true, Let's just say that Hef is, you know, the most horrible uh, guy out there, right? What are you going to do? The man's been dead for six years. There's no point, uh, you know, in desecrating him. Other than uh, money from the Hefner family, which I'm... Guessing is what these women want uh, that are accusing him of this. And so, uh, you know, it just seems like a big nothing burger. And, uh, you know, a couple of playmates, more than a few playmates and uh, other Playboy staff members have come out and said that uh, these allegations against him are not true at all. Um, that he was a fair... Uh, man and a gentleman and um, whatnot. So, again, I'm not saying he's the perfect uh, guy out there, um, but he definitely isn't the. He definitely didn't seem to be the demon uh, and the villain that people are portraying him as in the cancel culture uh, cult as it were. So anyway, uh, those are just kind of my uh, takes on the whole thing. I might do like a video on have more specifically and I actually, I do know that there are two playmates that have a podcast uh, about uh, Playboy's history as a company and what Hef was actually like. Uh, so shout out to Karina Harney and Echo Johnson who host the uh, Bunny Chronicles podcast. 
there I know there have been a few podcasts about how bad Playboy is and that kind of dark history, but they're the ones who are kind of telling the other side of the story on that. So uh, check them out if you are so inclined to. And uh, yeah, in regards to Hef's situation uh, with that whole thing, like I said, I just think it's ridiculous to cancel a dead man. Um, you know, especially since there's nothing to gain from it, from him, other than tarnishing his reputation. So those are my two cents on the matter. Um, maybe I'll have Karina and Echo on the podcast at some point to share their perspective. That, that would be a very interesting conversation. And I know it would also probably, uh, you know, it would probably, uh, say some of the people who say, oh, Sam, you don't have enough women on the podcast. Well, that might be a possible answer to that, so we'll see in the future. But um, anyway, folks, I think that will do it for today's uh, program. We will be back on Saturday with uh, Mr. Whiskey. Um, he'll be joining us to discuss the Ethan Ralph versus uh, Mr. Medicare live stream that happened this past uh, weekend. So he'll be joining us on Saturday night at 10 p.m. for the live stream show. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, other than that, folks, have a good night or a good day. God bless and God save this great nation from wherever you are in the past, present, future hour. And I'll see you on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash whitfieldreport. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order.